Welcome to the Then Weight Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between able-bodied and disabled people through real talk and real conversations from a wheelchair. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How about you? How's it going, your end? I'm going good. It's around noon time here and just chilling. Had my coffee and looked at some YouTube stuff. That's pretty much what I do when I get up, so and ate something. I'm good now and now record. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a nice morning routine. Yeah. Well I, I don't work right now, so that's pretty much what I do and it's relaxing, so <laughs> Yeah, I don't work either, so I'd like I do a bit of volunteer work, but it's yeah, it's, it's nice to have your own space, isn't it? Yeah, um, I've been trying to I've been thinking about doing some volunteer work, but I haven't really. I don't know if I really want to. Like I want to, but I was like, once I start doing it, do I really want to do this? So I've been trying to take my time on it. <laughs> yeah, but it's only like a few hours a week. I do I do three different roles because I want more to do. So like. Oh, so, so what type of volunteer work do you do? Um, I volunteer as an editor for a newspaper that is read out loud to blind people or blind and partially sighted. Okay. Uh, oh, so, yeah. I I, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, yeah, you can. There you go. I was going to say, um, the blind people, I actually sent a YouTube thing of you signing um, or the, a video on, on YouTube. So that's pretty cool. Actually, uh, it was um, it's a lady that I like over there. Laura, her name is Laura Marling. Marling, if I'm not saying Laura that. Marling, the singer. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually enjoy her music, and um, it's quite yeah, cool. she's good. Yeah, um, I don't know how popular she is over there, but I I enjoy her music. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I think I've seen her live. For real? How mm. how's that? Mm -hmm. how, how was that seeing her live yeah good yeah it was like, yeah I'm pretty sure she picked her at a festival she's very like I don't know just easy to listen to isn't she yeah I do I enjoy her and there's another it's, I think it's a band called Daughter I don't know if they're from that yeah they're good as well yeah I, I listen to her you know I'm trying to see if there's another person that I like um there's a couple that I enjoy but I just, right now I just can't think of the name. But those are one or two that I, I listen to. Oh, Lucy Rose is there? Lucy Rose, is she, she, she's not from here. I area. think I've heard of her, but I don't know her stuff. But yeah, you like so you like kind of like I don't know how what what sort of music that is. Like it's like just chilled indie music, like with women singers. Yeah, I guess so. Yes, um, <laughs> if it's good music and, and I if I can listen to it, I'm I'm good with it. So. Um, I know it was a couple of years ago I was on YouTube and I, I was just looking up. I just needed some more music and I found uh, Laura Marlin first and then I found some of them a little bit later on. And I've just been keeping up kind of with their career and music they put out. What made you start this podcast? What made me start this podcast? Um, honestly, I, well, I started with a friend of mine. Um, he was in a wheelchair at Seven Palsy, but he ended up leaving and doing other things. But we just wanted to have cool conversations. For the most part, just have cool conversations. Um, kind of bridge the gap between able-bodied and disabled people. Um, and just, for me personally, sometimes it's 
I think growing up, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to live the life I, um, I could being in the wheelchair. So, and I can't go back and tell my 15-year-old self that I you can do that and still live an enjoyable, enjoyable life. So, I try to tell people that they can still live a fulfilled life. So, so you're a wheelchair user? Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Are you, so, yeah. Were you born like that? Um, yes, I have a muscular dystrophy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, under that myasthenia congenital myasthenia gravis. So, um, I did a little bit of walking growing up, but as I got older, I had to use a chair more. Plus, I had scoliosis, and um, mm -hmm. which made me, you know, scoliosis, they put the rods in your back, and which made me really be in a chair permanently. But I'm, I'm just not paralyzed. So... It took a lot of mobility from me, but yeah, at least I'm, yeah, I'm not paralyzed. So, that, that so you've been me. fighting. So you've mm -hmm. been fighting a lot of battles your whole life. You can say that. I try not to look at it like that, but um, yeah, I mean I, in a good, like a positive way. Well, yeah, yeah. I was so. gonna say I try not to look at it, but sometimes when I am feeling discouraged and, and feeling weak. You know, I, I do have to say things like that to say that you can't get through this or whatever is going on. You've been through it before, you can't get through it again. So, um, yeah, I try to only use those for those those moments, but yeah, you're right. Yes, ma'am. But I enjoy it. And that's, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, if I could take it all over and say, could I be born healthy and able-bodied? I probably still would, but as long as I can take some of these uh, um, principles of being in a wheelchair um, with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I play uh, wheelchair tennis with a few different disabled people that have for different reasons. And I think one, the first thing you said, there's one, yeah, that I know a few people with different, with similar mm -hmm. injuries or similar things they were born with. Um, and I've done, they, and, and well, no, Two of them were born, no, all, all three were born disabled and I became disabled. My sister was born disabled, but so I had the comparison. But they'd always say, like, if they could choose it, they would still choose the disability they have because it's like giving them the ability to, like, you know, this, 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 the perspective and the, like the appreciation of life and just like mm -hmm. slowing down and seeing the actual beautiful things more than more than most able people seem to run around and kind of miss a lot of the stuff. And uh, like I said, I, I get that, but I still have to be honest with myself. And there's, you know, there are certain things that I've missed out in life because I've been in a wheelchair that I, that I would like to experience still. So I have to be honest with myself and I, I get not saying that they're not honest because that's, I mean, that's what it is. That's why I say I wish that I could do it all again, but still have the... Have the lessons. Yes. Um, yeah. If I could take some of them lessons, I would appreciate life and enjoy life and see it from a different perspective anyway. So, and it's obviously it's hypothetically, so I could bring those principles in and say that because I can't go back. Is it sure? Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, but there are things that I would like to enjoy, and I don't drive. I probably could drive, but I'm 35 years old. I don't think I want to go to get a driver's license, get a car note, get insurance, and all those things. I'm used to it now, what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. Do you? Man, hmm? 
I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I was actually like, just to me, the people at Word of Tennis, like the one guy says, um, he thinks that it's harder for me because I was able bodied and then became disabled. Mm. And I disagree with that because I have, my sister was born three months early, stone cold death, kidney failure, learning difficulties, lots of illness. Okay. And she was, two years, she was two years younger than me. And if she had been born able and then then became disabled, she would know kind of what, what like what normal is or what she could reach or like she'd be able to talk properly and then she'd have just like lost her, her hearing. Right. So I think, I don't know, because I, I yeah, lots of people say it must be hard because you know what you've lost. But like I still think there's positives and negatives to it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. I still think even if you didn't get to experience things, you still understand, especially if you're an outgoing person, you have friends, a diverse, you know, friends, you kind of understand what you can and can't do. So I don't know. Um, but I do think sometimes it is a little harder for somebody that was able-bodied and now disabled. It might be a little harder for you, but I just think that's an identity kind of thing though. Because once you learn and you, you figure out, you accept that, hey, this is my life now, um, mm -hmm. you can still live a fulfilled life. There, there are people that did that. I mean... Yeah, well, I, acceptance is key, isn't it? Yes. I was at a bar um, down the street and I was getting food. And a guy, you know, people talk to me all the time. Um, and he just started talking to me about his sister. She's in her 40s and, you know, she's in a wheelchair now. He's like, she's just mean. I don't know how to deal with her. I'm like... Look, man, she's still the same person. She just had to learn to be that person in a wheelchair, too. Like, once she's mm. safe, that she's in a wheelchair, once she starts to understand things, like, it's nothing you can say to her right now that's going to encourage her. She's in a, you know, you know, she's in a place where she doesn't accept that she's in a wheelchair. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. Like, but once she starts accepting that, that, that fiery redheaded person because she's like she's fiery, fiery she's redheaded and all this I'm like once, once she gets back to that she's going to be your sister again she just has to deal with what's going on yeah she'll just be a decided different version you can't be the same person can you because yeah. I, yeah, I, like, I find it interesting because I'm a part time wheelchair user and so I can walk short distances with crutches and the rest I need a wheelchair because I've got like chronic fatigue from a okay. brain injury I mean, like whenever like so if I ever go somewhere like I get pushed and wheelchaired to like our pub and then I can get out of the chair and walk to the toilets mm -hmm. and people kind of don't like it people are kind of like they can't put me in a box because they're they're like either you're disabled or you're not either you need a wheelchair or you don't they can't yeah. they kind of like talk behind my back and they're like oh she's, she's just playing on it isn't she and I'm like why would I play on it and pretend that I need a wheelchair? Like all the things, it's just. But people, but like, but people that knew me before couldn't really, can't, still can't really accept how I am now because, like you know, like say your friends become disabled, it's they if you know the person before and then you know them afterwards. A lot of the time, people try and tilt, like compute them and make them the same person, but you can't do that. So people that didn't know me before accept me better. I understand that. I get that a lot. Um, I definitely understand that. Well, especially with my family sometimes because I was brought up not to depend on my disability. Like I didn't. I didn't. I grew up like the rest of my siblings, and so it was. It was kind of hard for me sometimes. Sounds and, hard. Yeah. 
it was it was it was kind of hard, and I don't think because sometimes you you don't understand the next person because you've never been in their shoes. You can't comprehend what they go through, what they feel in their body, and you can't um, empathize with it. Yeah, mm. and it's it's a hard thing, and so I definitely get it. And now people people talk to me about that, like what you're saying is like. They can't put you in a box like either you disabled you either you use a wheelchair or you don't like which is too like we don't we don't like this part time kind of thing. I think people don't want to be taken for fools, and they're like, which one's true? They want to like fall for it if you if you like people think you play on play on your disability and like you know use your wheelchair and you're not tired or something when it's real part-time but like it's just like why would anyone choose to sit in a chair rather than walk if you could yeah, yeah. It, i definitely get that like I, I definitely understand that i'm sorry for cutting you off though <laughs> no i definitely understand i mean and that's um yeah i don't know if you like religious or not go to church but that's kind of how i felt sometimes like in church you know and it was just like, I'm not whole unless I'm like walking. Like I'm not. Um, but I always, I keep always going back to like normal. I just get a bit yeah. like, you know, I'm not average. No, I don't, yeah. you don't match how people are perceived when you think of a person. Yeah. So it's like, and that's where, I mean, in my life, I felt, I was, honestly, I felt it more in a church, like, because they had a section for like older people, people in wheelchairs and things like that is like, is you, you just feel less than sometimes and it's not, it's not fun or good. So it's like, and then how can we help you? Um, it's like, I have a lot of things going to like me being in a wheelchair is like not an issue for me right now. Like I got that. And, but I definitely get that. So, sorry. My brain gets scattered sometimes. Yeah, mine too. Cool. <laughs> so do you, Do you? I mean, before I like start to ask you and, and get into your story, um, do you do a lot of podcasts? Do you have your own podcast? No, I started doing podcasts a few months ago. Just like I just wanted to kind of reach more people and like grow a platform because I want to like, I've got, I want to eventually get a book out, but I also eventually want to like educate people about road safety. And the more people I have listening to me, and just like, just trying to be like, no, let's just drive, just just follow the rules of the road. People <laughs> just don't want to. People, people just don't want to. Yeah. And it's just, and that and that is what kills people. So, so um, that's the cause that like I'm slowly working up to going around like schools and stuff and educating people. I dig that. I like that. So, I guess I'm going to get into your story. So, can mm-hmm. I ask you your name? My name's Harriet Barnsley. Hey, I man. live in Birmingham in the UK. Sorry. Um, and I'm 29 years old. 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And your accident happened when you were 21, I think. I yeah. did a little research yep. on you at 21. So, can you tell me a little bit about yourself before the accident? Before the accident, with check, um, I was at university. I was studying a degree in philosophy. Mm-hmm. I was very, very active. I would regularly go running, regularly go to the gym, regularly go recycle to work, work on my feet. I was 
very stressed in my final final year of university so mm. i am um, i just exercise a lot to kind of cope with it yes um and they say that that i was in like the peak of physical fitness and that's what helped me survive um and i was just trying to you know try to figure out who it was because you know and then just like not really coping with the whole like not peer pressure um groups of people socially like people aren't very nice in groups of people it's quite a lot like in school I struggled with with bullying and just not being very good at conforming to groups of people or just like so I was just trying to fight with that and work out my own path just before commission I got you and um do you do you remember anything like from the accident like what what happened can you let us know what happened <laughs> yeah so so i finished my degree the day before i got the train back to birmingham met my oldest friend rebecca and went to go to a hen party so a bridal shower um that we we're both due to be bridesmaids at this, this our friend's wedding and then I woke up a month later to find out that, or to find out what had happened. And I don't remember the night. I don't remember about the about a month before. It's all gone from my memory. Okay. But so I found out that two two cars driving that there's a speed camera opposite the bus stop where we we're standing at that caught the cars racing um, speed as 101 miles an hour. Mm. on a 40 mile hour zone road and um, one had gone into the bus stop and crashed into me and becky and we got thrown about 50 meters into the park behind us becky died instantly and i was apparently found conscious like screaming which is which is horrible which, but thank, like thank god i can't remember it, it sounds like the worst possible yeah. scene that i'd never want to remember um and then i found out yeah, so Becky died. I would need a wheelchair for life. Um, and my body would never, ever, like, have the energy that it had before. That's a lot to process. That was, yeah. That's a lot to take on. It. Can you walk me through, like, trying to process all of that? Trying to process it. Okay, so, wake up. Didn't know how old I was, where I was, what I was doing in my life. I thought I, I saw beeps and people walking by with clipboards and I thought it was a joke I thought they were just pretending to be like that someone was going to pull back a curtain and be like haha got you I was like I was just waiting for that moment because <laughs> yeah. uh, I had a sprouted hemorrhage brain bleed brain bruising really like just took it out of me so it's all very very foggy for like the first three months I was in hospital for five months um and then, like, while I was like, I was lying there and couldn't move a single part of my body. Like, I could, like, I could just about open my eyes, but I couldn't see properly. But I couldn't communicate that I couldn't see properly because I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I thought of my sister, Katie, who was, yeah, who was born disabled, and she's just, she's, and she'll never be independent. She'll always live with my parents, and she special needs and learn difficulties. Um, and I was like, well, I'll be able to get 
to a better position than her in my life where I can tell that I've got the brain power to still live like a, an independent life, whatever has happened. So it would be insulting to Katie not to try, just mm-hmm. lie down there and say, I don't know, why is this? And just like be really sad. Mm-hmm. And then I, re- I found out what happened and I found out that my friend was killed and she was like my closest friend from the age of five to 21. Well, the pl- closest friend I'll ever, I'll ever have. And I was like, Rather than her getting survivor's guilt, I was like, well, I can't waste surviving. I have to live for both of us. So that would be, again, like to just lie down and cry and just never get back up again would be like such a waste of life that I've been like granted. So that those two things like propelled me forwards to just just cope with it. Just, well, I coped with it for as long as possible, but yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of motivation to try to get back to some similarity to your life, you know, because I was going to, I was going to get ready to ask you about survivor's guilt and, and how, how was that? Because that's got to be a lot. I mean, you know, having that happen and then you surviving and then your friend not surviving, that's, that's tough. Um, it, do, it weirdly, it makes people take it a lot more seriously. So when people, yeah. people, I hope people will come up to me in my wheelchair or on crutches or even just my foot sprint and say, "Oh, what happened? What's wrong? What did you do? Did you fall down the stairs?" Um, and like when, when if I if I do tell them, if we're going to have a conversation, or I did like in the early days. The moment I mentioned that someone died, people were like, "Oh my god, that's horrendous!" But without that, people just like just thought I was it just you know it wasn't that severe yeah it's a shame that it needs death for that for that to be taken seriously <laughs> I'm laughing but it's, it's really not funny but this that's how it is yeah. but you should never be able to get up to that speed regardless like let alone kill someone with it mm. yeah so doing this is like keeping her memory alive and like making something of it it's not a waste her life wasn't a waste and I yeah I, I don't know how to I didn't I didn't know how to respond to it any other way like I just I kind of tried slowly processed it and was like but I've just I will deal with this and I will do what I can to get stronger and I will do what I can to get back some sort of life because why not yeah why not yeah that's a good that's a good word why not Do you have any like, I guess, PTSD? Do you see a therapy? Do you see a therapist? Or I know you say you don't have a lot of memories, but just knowing the fact that that happened, how does that carry like stay? How does that compute? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I couldn't. Okay, so I could never really process it. I just threw myself into my physical recovery as much as I could. Like it took months before I could move my arms, bend my fingers, let alone sit up, let alone mm-hmm. like put my feet on the floor, let alone. Yeah, it was just, it was a very, very slow process. So I just threw myself into that. Did physiotherapy, hydrotherapy, occupational therapy, kept going for as long as possible. And then five years later, because um, I hadn't dealt with the psychological, I hadn't dealt with what had happened. I just had been trying, basically distracting myself with exercise, really. Um, I developed psychosis and thought I was dead and believed I'd died in the collision and that like life wasn't real. Um, and then found out I then have bipolar. So I have bipolar and psychosis 
from the brain injury, but also from just the living through such a big trauma. I, I don't, I've never really, I assume I've had PTSD. It's like, I don't know how you couldn't, but I'm not really sure what the symptoms are. And I just, mm. just focused on keeping on going until eventually I just crashed and burned. <laughs> Because you've got to face, you've got to face some. If something terrible happens in your life, you've got to face it. Otherwise, it's just gonna like explode out of you, which is what it did. I definitely understand that. I, I came to terms with a lot of things. Um, well, well, around, like I said, I'm 37, so around 20, 20, 28, 29, I went through a little point in my life where I was just like sad, depressed all the time. But I was facing a lot of things, even, you know with a lot of things in my life, from being in a wheelchair to things happen, just memories coming back that I just swept up under the rug or feelings being a kid. I swept up because people want you to be happy in life. It's just like... They can't deal with misery or sadness or tragedy. Yes. So, like, being a kid is like, I'm not able to process being in a wheelchair, process that my brother can play basketball and go out and play sports, and I got to sit there and watch. And I'm his biggest fan, but I would like to be playing basketball too. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's the, the, one of the most damaging things that you can do that you can't help but do. I went through a phase of doing it for years is Mm -hmm. is compare yourself to people, especially your own age, just being like, I should be able to do what they're doing. That just... I had to break away from those sorts of thoughts. But at first I was like watching everyone who just finished university go and get jobs, move into houses and have relationships. And I was just like, it's it's just devastating to compare your life to theirs. So. Yes, that will mess your whole life up comparing yourself to other people. And I, I had to learn not to do that and say, man, if I wish I was this person, life would be so much great and better. But I've learned to take compliments from people um, and to say, well, I, I, I've just learned to take compliments and take them seriously. It's, it's hard sometimes to take is compliments. It, is it when people say, well done for doing what you're doing? What, what sort of compliments? Um, just, um, okay, I mean, just like the podcast. People do say, like, they enjoy my podcast. That's close to me. They listen to it. Sometimes, like, I, I get discouraged. I keep going, but I get discouraged sometimes. I'm not the best talker. I stumble over my words. But for me, even accepting that is just like... An achievement. I, yeah. It's like, I'm going through it, but I'm still going through it. I'm still going to try my hardest to make this something good. And it's going to show somebody that says the same thing like I'm saying, that wants to start a podcast, that wants to be in media... And I'm just like, hey, if you want to do it, just do it. And that's my whole thing. Just do it. And, it's a good um, motto. Yeah. So it's just like, I get things I get discouraged about. As far as like people say, well, you got to you got a voice to do it. That's the only thing I agree on with them. <laughs> After that, it's just like, I I don't really think that I do good sometimes. And I know that's just me being discouraged, but. Um, I have to actually like listen to what people say to, to motivate me to keep going. Sounds like you spend quite a lot of time in your head. Yes, you're right. I am a big overthinker, and that's one thing that I hate. But I'm an overthinker, and it's hard to to get out of that. 
I've I've worked on it though. Um, I've I've worked on it a lot, and even then, it's like, all right, you can't do anything about it. Um, just keep going, and I will let it go. Um, about eighty percent of the time, eighty percent of it, I let go. But that twenty percent, I'm still thinking about it. But <laughs> well, yeah, it's um, it's like self-soothing never works as well as if you say to someone i don't feel good about this part of who how who i am or how i am and if they say oh no you're absolutely fine that's quite reassuring but like we need to be able to be reassured by ourselves rather than other people because yeah. you know, i have in my head like my mom's voice in my head just constantly being like doesn't matter what they think you know you can do it you just like just a little little cheerleader and it keeps you going but like but it, it's not as a powerful or in fact as effective and unless i talk to her in person she actually then you know it, it's hard to be your own cheerleader it, re it really is hard to be your own cheerleader and i i try to be I'm, I'm better at not trying to get validation from people i think in my life when i was younger uh i live for validation from people um and I care what people think. Now I still do think what people. I still that's do what care about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's what. That's sorry. That's what you're kind of taught in school or around kids when you're growing up. Is that like the cool kid or the one that is everyone, everyone, everyone approves of is the greatest one, and we should all aspire to be them. So you all kind of like for some reason crave this people, everyone to big you up. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like really the only person I should care about is what I think about myself mm -hmm. true and it, because if you don't like yourself or love yourself nobody will and... well so you, you're the only person that has, to that has to spend the rest of your life with yourself yeah. <laughs> you've got yeah. a long got, you've got a long time to be alone with your thoughts and alone with yourself and it's you may as well make it a nice place if you can well yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to, it's still a hard job to do, but I'm working on it. And, mm. But what about yourself? How do yeah. you deal with that? How do I deal with? Just like being alone with your thoughts and, or being an overthinker. Um, so, so I've been, so it's been eight years since, since the collision. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of time by myself like a lot of time just sitting there like just not being able to move my body not being able to do much and just like being fatigued and just being out of bed being able to get out of bed um and then like I learned a lot from my philosophy degree just in general of like you know morality and how people should just deal with things mm. and then I've always had an interest in that and then I've been re I read things that are like Buddhist texts or different spiritual texts that are just like very like comforting in their own way and then I've, I've just you know I've had therapist after therapist after therapist I've constantly worked at being feeling better doing better just constantly worked on myself mm. but the best the, the main thing is that with well, the the pivotal thing is that when I got ill from psychosis and bipolar, it turns out I was um, sectioned and put in mental hospital twice. So once in 2019 and once in 2020. And like, I'd been fighting for so long to just like 
deal with what I was dealing with and no one really got it and it just made me like kind of want to scream inside it was just like I just didn't know how to like just let myself feel all the things and getting sectioned and put in a hospital for like a month made me like surrender and kind of deal with it so I've kind of like I've taken a lot of positive from having severe mental breakdowns because it means that I've, I've like surrendered and let myself feel all of the pain and then been like okay I can breathe again now does that make sense no that definitely makes sense there's makes a lot of sense because like you said a lot of us don't feel we don't allow ourselves to feel we don't mm. give ourselves the space to feel and um that's one thing in my life i try to do i try to whatever i'm feeling in that moment i try to feel i mean obviously i love to be happy but sometimes i'm sad sometimes i'm angry and i give myself space to feel that now i, I don't want to stay in that those are not good uh emotions to have every day but I let myself stay in that, and I try to, you know, deal with what I'm dealing with. But then I try to get out of that. What I'm, what I'm ready it's, to. It's important wherever you are in in your life and in your world to accept whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. Acceptance is like so. Like so, if you're having a really hard time, trying to jolly yourself up and make it and put a smile on your face, even if you don't feel good, isn't isn't helpful. <laughs> let yourself feel the pain, but. Mm-hmm. But then I, I don't know, it's let yourself feel the pain, but then in accepting it, it kind of like loses its power over you. And you can be like, right, that's the thing. I'm going to get better now. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with you there. So you so you say you went to school for philosophy? Mm-hmm. So how was that? I, as as kind of cool like you're a deep thinker huh <laughs> mm. I I loved it I loved it I got to do three years studying philosophy I thought it was I, I got to go clubbing and drinking all the time and working all the time and exercising and doing everything that I wanted to do and just kept and I was still able to get good grades mm. I got to live in Canada while studying abroad for four months in my final year which was sensational and then, like, it just felt easy. It's just, you know, it's just questioning things. It's just, like, like morality and, like, ethics and, and philosophy of language, philosophy of art. Like, it's just it's just weirdly applied. Well, no, not weirdly. It applies, like, the, the whole world, the whole of life. All we're doing is trying to, like, decide things and argue things and weigh it pros and cons and different things and that's all in philosophy there's like no definite right or wrong answer there's always like that's the question it's just I, useful I get that I I think I am a deep thinker but I just never really got into philosophy or like I've talked to people about things but it, it's always been like on a spiritual kind of level I guess it's not really been like I have my, my sayings and what I believe in my everyday life but I do like to question a lot of things now in my life a little bit more. Um, even with even with my spirituality, religion, and things like that, I like I question things a lot. And yeah, so. 
that I don't do the whole. Oh, I, I did the whole. But I don't do the whole deep reading, really deep philosophical texts for like hours and hours and analysing them. That was my degree, and it was hard, but it's done. But it's fine. But now I'm on your level of whole, just questioning things and just the spiritual side and just like. Just, just having interesting conversations. It's just yeah. talking about like you know real things rather than a, I can't stand like small talk and stuff. I just want to talk about <laughs> real things. Yeah, I agree. I hate small talk. Um, I found this thing. Somebody was like, "I'm allergic to small talk," and I was like, "I agree with you. I, I just really hate it." Outside of like, "Hey, how you doing?" and all right, if I don't know you, like I can deal with it, and it's like in passing. But like if I know you, sometimes I just want to like. So what do you think about this? Like, some people just don't want to, but yeah. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, you can read the room and you can tell, but like, ah, uh, small talk, I don't see the point. It makes people relax small talk. Well, small talk makes me, puts my back at all, does the opposite of relax me. I like to meet people and say like, you know, so what are you going through? What's what's going wrong for you? Tell me your traumas. Mm. <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I get that. People see me in my wheelchair and just then say, ah, oh, this terrible thing happened to me. And I'm like, cool, let's talk about it. Yeah. It... I mean, that has to be the will. That happens for me too. Um, especially, I worked at Walmart, so people would t- come and talk to me a lot and, and just have conversations. And some, some were cool, and then sometimes people just irritated me, and I just wanted to stop talking yeah. to them. <laughs> some, it's when people are thoughtless, isn't it, or careless? Mm-hmm. It's like I just well, I think this is like okay to talk about. Why? Why do you want to mm-hmm. talk to me about this? And yeah, you're right. People are careless. It's ignorance normally as well. I've had people try and make small talk about me in a wheelchair, like in a kind of like flirty or friendly way. And I'm like, that's, I went through, I'm not going to say, but inside I'm like, I went through an absolutely massive tragedy. I'm not going to tell you lightheartedly when you like, they come up to you and they laugh and they say, ha ha, did you do it in football or skiing? Ha ha. And I'm like, piss off. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I'm going to start saying that. But that's a British. That's most <laughs> of a British thing to say, though. Like, mm. I'm like, I got that in my my blood now. I'm gonna start saying "piss off" now. <laughs> Just to the point, it's perfect. <laughs> mm. So, I don't get to talk to a lot of like I've interviewed a lady from Australia, but I think you're the first person um, in the UK that I've interviewed. So, wicked. That's kind of honored. Cool. So I would like to talk to you a little bit about, uh, before we leave, I know it's been a little bit, I don't want to take all your day up, but like some of the culture, like first of all, I want to know about your hobbies and like a little bit about, I want to know a little bit about UK too and like what do you like? Yeah. What, I don't know. I just, I enjoy it because I would love to go visit. I lived in Germany when I was younger, but that was like the only time I lived in Europe and I was five to seven. So you want to know about culture and about hobbies? Um, I don't, I don't know how to sum up like British culture. Everyone's. I w- I don't know if polite is the word. Everyone's kind of like. I mean, when you know someone, they're relaxed and friendly. It's fine, but everyone's quite like you know cold and just kind of not cold. But they, everyone's trying to just like deal with like their world and it's just like you know if someone falls over a lot of the time like it takes a while for someone to go over and say okay people are just like 
I'm not selling it really well. No, no, you're fine. Like, but... It's very like, you know, like every man for himself. And like, but I feel like that's the world. I feel like yeah. whenever you see someone struggling, people are like, oh, no, that's them. Let's, let's leave them to it. And I'm yeah. like, if you see some people don't seem to have it in them. This is just me ranting about society and people. Like, you have a bit of time that you could offer them even though it'll make you feel like you'll share their pain like why don't we help each other more yeah and I, I think that is a kind of a especially here in, in the US too though I live in Tennessee and they all talk about like Southern Comfort and I think Southern Comfort is just a myth like I I thought you were talking about the drink. I was like, I love Southern Comfort, the drink. <laughs> that is pretty, that is, that is pretty good. I've, I've had it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think I haven't had that in a while. Well, now, I like about six months ago, I took up smoking cigars. and So I go to the cigar lounge and they have their bourbon and things like that. And um, mm. I do drink a little Jameson sometimes. Is that a popular mm. drink where you where you at? Yeah, it's fairly popular. I quite like a brandy. Mine's brandy. Okay. Do you drink it? I know you guys, y'all can hold y'all liquor. I, I remember one time uh, for Cinco de Mayo here. Uh, well, no, he was an Irish guy. But still, it was another guy from the UK, too, that was there. And I had We're to just big stop. drinkers. Yeah. I was like, I can't. I'm not going to be able to drink. First of all, I'm in the wheelchair. I may fall out my wheelchair, pee my pants. and <laughs> So I'm going to stop right now. So. Yeah, so, so we don't have that self-control. We go to the pub and we're like, let's drink ourselves to death every time. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, uh, I can see that. And a lot of times for me, even with drinking, I don't drink that much because I don't like people taking care of me more than... I feel like people feel like they have to take care of me a lot. And, and they have to look yeah, you have to be more careful. So like me comparing it to before and after to become disabled. If I, get, if I drink, I can't get too drunk because I need to be able to look after myself. Like mm -hmm. you can't rely on other people around you to, and you don't want to rely on other people to look after you. So like, yeah. that's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really don't like there's people. So if I'm somewhere, people always feel like, especially close friends of mine, it, it, I'm not knocking any of them because they got love for me, but like, I want to take care of myself. Yeah. When I need help, like I will ask for help sometimes. So if I was to get, like very drunk like I just tear up like just had a bad day all I want to do is drink or just I'll just have a good time like I feel like people would have to take care of me because how do you feel about so do you I assume you do as everyone in a wheelchair normally does how do you feel about people that's come come up behind you and push you I don't I don't like it I don't like I it. hate I'm like get off me yeah <laughs> Because you're like your part, your wheelchair is part of you, isn't it? It's like what you yeah. wouldn't come up someone walking up a hill and push their back. Get yeah, and I I agree. I like even if I know you, like I'm, I get a little tense, and I get to apologize yeah. too. It's but like, it, yeah, I use. It's a meant chair. to be friendly. You got to use an electric one. I use a power chair and a manual chair, and okay. if, if I am put push myself, and I like even if they if I know you and. You don't announce yourself before you like do that. I get a little tense because I don't know you. Like, you could you could do anything to me. So. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's like people do it and think you should be grateful, and I'm like, I don't want to have to be grateful for this. I don't want to yeah. have to be nice to you because you've just done that. You done. You feel like you did your charity for the day. You you good mm. deed. I'm not a good deed. Like, 
No, exactly. You know, you can't do that to me. And, and, and like, like I said from the beginning of the show, that's kind of why I want to do this this show so we can create a you know bridge the gap between able-bodied and disabled. So mm -hmm. us talking about this, hopefully somebody will say, "I've done that before. I'm not going to do it again." You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it helps when, like, you've got friends that, that you, because my friends were like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, how how weird it is, like, how people treat you in a wheelchair, they, they treat you so thoughtlessly. And I'm like, yeah, but you probably were like that before you got to know me. It yeah. helps knowing people that use wheelchairs and, like, just, like, slowing down and paying attention and learning a little bit of how life's like for us. Yeah. And I, I do have friends like that. And it was like, look, man, I got to ask you this. But ask me any question you want to about being a wheelchair. Like I will tell you because you it's... don't know how do you, how would you know if nobody I'm might be the only friend they have in a wheelchair. How would they know otherwise? So I try hey, don't to be scared of asking. I like that. Like yeah. people I, always no, are like come to it. Yeah, you go. Oh, go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your statement. Yeah, I was just people always come up and they're like hesitating and they aren't sure where they can ask me out about like my big tragedy in it or about the struggles that I have and I'm like but like I live it and I've lived it for so long that like it's just such a big part of me like I'm a courser like I don't I'm not afraid not of course I'm happy to share <laughs> yeah I'm, I am I try to create a a space for people well my friends to do that any, any other time if we're having a cool conversation now like I want you to ease into it sometimes. Like, if I don't know you, like, I just don't want you just to ask me personal questions. Abruptly or bluntly. Yeah. What, what's that for? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't feel comfortable doing this. But, like, I, if you talk to me and get down and I can see you, you know, let's have this conversation. Like, that's why, like, I don't really like small talk, but I need small talk to feel kind of comfortable enough to, like, well, that's not, yeah, it's not even particularly small talk, though, is it? It's, you need to get to know someone a little bit before you, you yeah. want to start opening up about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, in any way, too, I'm always careful about opening up to people because people could. I just hate when you say something vulnerable to somebody and they take that a, and. And they like dismiss it. Yeah. Or they. Yeah, it's just they can. With that information, I have to be careful what type of information I give people sometimes yeah well it affects how it affects how you feel for that, in that moment and everything doesn't it it does yeah so mm -hmm. like if i'm not very comfortable with you like i may still answer the question but depending on how how i know you and how much i trust you is how deep i go into that question i guess if you ask me mm -hmm. a question and it could be a because i feel like some questions are just general there's some questions make make you vulnerable you have to give a vulnerable kind of answer sometimes. Oh, I think it depends on the person as well, though, because if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation and they're asking to understand, I want to know, like, if I want to know why they're asking, sort of thing. I don't want to. If it's just for their curiosity, they want to know about my like, my struggles. I don't really want to share things. They can be like, "Ooh, some gossip. I heard this the other yeah. day." But yeah. if it's like, but if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, you can explain yourself properly and you can understand why they're asking, fine. But just, yeah, groups of people, if, if, if you get asked in a group of people, I feel like then, like, it's, like, left up to the crowd to kind of just basically dismiss or just joke about. It doesn't feel very... Yeah, I... Yeah, I understand that. I, I like to joke about my disability sometimes, if, in a tasteful way sometimes, so if we're having a conversation. Yeah, but as long as you're doing it, though, it's not other people. 
Yeah, I'm. I like dark humor sometimes. So if if mm-hmm. if a buddy of mine can make a dark humor like a, a joke, and it makes me laugh, all is forgiven. Like <laughs> sometimes, but also we Not- have that. You created a bond, so I have that bond, and I know who you are. And it's just, it just, it just depends on that how comfortable you are with that person too. So like, it, it's just going yeah. to be what we've been saying. So yeah, but dark humor. I love dark humor. Dark humor is just um. A refined taste, isn't it? Though a lot of people make them uncomfortable, and I'm like, I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. I find this hilarious. Yeah, I I love dark humor. It's um, it gets me through sometimes because I'm like, I should laugh at that, but it's hilarious. But I don't know. You know, I'm not gonna hold you up too much. But so, what kind of question I want to ask you? So. What do you, I know you said that you want to like end up writing a book. What is your, is that your next big plan? Like, do you have any other big plans, like say the next five years? I'm just doing the next level to train to be a counselor. Okay. I want to say I write a blog and I've wrote most of a book that I want to eventually get out into the world. So I want that as a a form of like helping people because when, you're struggling with something a lot of the time you just want to go away and read little things about people's stories and take bits that you want and then i'm just doing the counseling course to kind of like the amount of people that i meet that just because obviously i sit and i watch the world go by and, and watch how people interact and the amount of people that i meet that are just struggling with with their day-to-day and they just haven't really sat down and worked out what they can do to make their 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 life feel good or they've accepted they just feel a bit crap all of the time that's how they think they should be i'm like yeah. i want i want to be able to help those people mm-hmm. yeah so book counseling and then yeah i'm working to go up on stage on like go around to like six foot colleges and school kids to educate them and try and discourage people from driving driving like wankers <laughs> that's another word I've, I'm, I'm glad you said it too I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> i i i'm sorry we're going off topic for a minute but I, I like a lot of british shows so like on hulu and stuff like that they have some some cool British shows that I, I love, and I was like, man, there's some words that I wanted you to say. It, those, that's one of the words. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you said it, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad I made your day. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. <laughs> so, what about you? What are your near future-ish aims? So, honestly, I would like to. Kind of like you, uh, I'd like to go around talking. I, like I said, talking, I don't like to talk, but like I'm, I'm big on getting out of my comfort zone. So like I would love to go talk to people about disability awareness or a, a, mm. or just a topic that they want to talk about. Continue doing my podcast. Um, I want to just show people with disabilities that they can live a fulfilled life. So... Um, and what that looked like. So I would like to have companies like get together and help people. So, like, if um, like interable relationships. If one, if the person that's like able-bodied loves to hike, the person that's in the wheelchair, 
doesn't have a, I guess, a wheelchair or anything to the equipment to hike with them or do trails. You know, obviously you probably can't do like the extreme ones, but like if you could do little ones, like um, hook them up with a, a company. And I'm because I have a relationship like with that company, I can get a discount or something like that. And they're able to rent a chair so they can experience some things that their partner wants to do like that camping. Hunting. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, just just things like that. If you need like, hey man, like I need a shower chair. Like, how can you, can you help me with a shower chair? And I'm able to, you know, call somebody and say, look, fine. There's a lot of because a lot of disabled equipment because it's it's expensive and there's not very like lots of there's not really what no well known places because I use a shower chair as well and I've got a, like a, a decent wheelchair but they're, they're they're so expensive and it's like bridging the gap and finding things that are like available and slightly more affordable I think would be good mm -hmm. so I, like I would love to help people out like I like to help people out in general um, it doesn't matter but like some people with disabilities that are discouraged, I would just want to encourage them to do better. And it just to that's, that's like you're calling. That's what's yeah. calling to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's wicked. I like it so and <laughs> wicked. Um and I just um but it just continue to bridge the gap. I think people would be happier if we understood each other a little bit more. Um mm. just like the things that we talked about that we don't like what people do. If they could hear us on this conversation, they can say, you know what? I don't understand everything, but I would what you said, I would try not to do that. I've did that before and I would try. That's all I can ask you just to try to do better. Yeah, it's just it's just encouraging people to listen, isn't it? Basically. Because, yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. we would say if you knew better, you would do better. And so if I put you on game, if I tell you this is not cool and you continue to do it, then I start to judge you. And I think that you are a terrible human being. <laughs> You're not really terrible, but I want to go there. Yeah, no, but they're not but they're not worth your time, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? It's like people say stuff to me and it's like, even me, I may say something that's to you because even though I'm disabled, I may say something to you that's not that's insensitive not knowing it and you but said then it, you rely on sorry carry on oh i'm gonna say and then and then you tell me and you know say, yeah. you know what i apologize i didn't i didn't what i said i didn't know that that was insensitive i apologize and i'm gonna do better it's educating yeah and being willing to listen when people tell you they've hurt you fit that you've hurt when willing to listen when someone tells you that you've hurt their feelings yes and I, I and I'm a big person. I I, I hate this whole thing. And, and like, sometimes we are, like human beings are. We are sensitive sometimes. And we, but like sometimes, like, you you just don't care. Uh, people, some people just don't care. So it's like, well, I'm gonna say what I want to say. And if you get your feelings hurt, it's like, no, we shouldn't be like that. You should care about what the next person goes through and feel. Yeah, but. People that are like that often are like struggling with their own things, aren't they? It sounds like yes. you know, if someone, if you're, if you're not, if you don't care about other people, you're like fighting some little quiet battle of some sort. I don't know, like 
It's like when someone, if you if someone hurts you, they're generally they're in pain themselves. It doesn't mean that it's okay, but it's just understanding why people do negative things, isn't it? Yes, man. Mm. Yeah, I got you. I mean, so I just I want to just be an encourager for the most part, but and then I want to branch out. Like, if I can start making money, like I would love to like get some. I would. I I I still want to help out the homeless. I would love to like to have the homeless, um, off the street, you know, and have a hot shower. There you go. Like that, that that is a potential area that you could volunteer for. Yeah. Something so, you care about. I just I, I care about I care I really care about the marginalized. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Like, um, I'm a I love true crime. Like I do. A, I had a friend, she does true crime, so I get on her podcast sometimes, and a lot of these victims are homeless, are, you know, mm. people, you know, it's the a, it's a marginalized that are the, are the victims majority of the time. And I feel like we should have, we should take care of them just as much. And they're, they matter too, just as much. So. Yeah, we should help the helpless. Yes. Hmm. It's been wicked talking to you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Then Wait Podcast. If you believe in what we're doing, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast and check out our Patreon page. Don't forget that you have worth and value. And if you are ever in need of encouragement, feel free to connect with us on our socials.